podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Way! <laughs> it's a two-man pod. Uh, myself, Jim Daly. It's an international break special. Uh, it's me, Jim Daly, and Andy Bell is here. How you doing, mate? Good, good evening, Jim Daly. How are things? <laughs> Sounds like a game show host, doesn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> I am good. How are you enjoying the international break? Do you ever? Yeah. No, I don't. It's boring, isn't it? I mean we've got a bit more skin in the game now haven't we so like the, the england games have been a bit more exciting but no on the whole not for me the international break no well we will still be talking about it uh okay great <laughs> for a couple of minutes <laughs> and then we're going to uh every international break we try and do some sort of fun sort of format so this one we're going to try and do an updated all-time 11 I'll, I'll explain when we get to to that in part two and then in part three we're going to preview the villa game at the weekend as praise be premier league football is returning um as ever, we are sponsored each week uh, this season by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing televised Palace fixtures over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down your local Green King pub to get closer to the action. Green King Sport have recently launched their Green King Sport Instagram page, which will be the home to fan content deals and competitions throughout the season. So drop them a follow. And you won't just be the first to know all about this. You'll be helping the FYP podcast in the process. Link is in the downloads below. Right. Uh, so two games for England. As you say, Andy, Palace have skin in the game now. Mark Gahey, arguably a starter now for England uh, at centre-back. Absolutely. Played alongside Harry Maguire. And then he who shall not be named. No, it's fine. Lewis Dunk, uh, <laughs> who who has been long overdue a call-up, to be honest. Um, and then Ebbs coming off the bench in the Scotland uh, friendly. Let's start with Gahey. Um, his, my right thing, his first game was the Hungary game last year or year before last, where England lost 4 0 um, yes. in yes. the, I want to say, in the Nations League, um, yes. which wasn't the best, uh, wasn't the best starter. But since then, he seems to very quietly just yeah. worked his way into Southgate's plan. And as we know, he's a very reliable centre back anyway. This is the thing. I mean, he, he looked at home, I thought. I think. Uh... It's a funny one with him, isn't it? Because we see him every week. We know how good he is. And then to plonk him into that team, there was there was zero worries Like on my side. I was just excited to see him on, on, on that pitch. I think also just really excited that a Crystal Palace player is starting a European qualifier for England away, you know, in a really tough game against the uh, Ukraine in Poland. I mean, what a treat. What a treat to see him back there. And he looked at home and I thought he made Lewis Dunk look unbelievable again, <laughs> you know, in the uh, Scotland game. Uh, yeah, he, he looked he looked like the Rolls Royce that we really know he, he is, I think. Didn't make Maguire look quite as good in the uh, in the Ukraine game. Maguire colliding with him as he sort of completely lost uh, Zinchenko in, in the middle. Um, I thought I was sort of on... Twitter, I think, for the uh, Scotland game, and I saw multiple bigger, big accounts saying 
my word, if Gay continues like this, he's going to be an absolute. And I was like, oh, it's happening. Like, obviously, this is, this is the thing that when a club like Palace is, your players play for England, then the wider community start to see them and appreciate them for the for the skills they are. And if 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 he somehow stays beyond the summer, next summer, I don't think he will. I think he's our he's our best chance. I think of a Palace player at the Euros. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Although I think you know, I know we'll I know we'll come on to Webs, but I think if he carries on doing what what he's doing, yeah, I, I agree. But I see it maybe in a slightly different light. I, I think I see it in a really positive one. I think. It's a sign of the times as to where we are as a club that we are seeing our players in these international squads starting international games. And what a privilege it is for us at this current moment in our history to see that. You know, I, I think, I, although obviously that when the day comes that he does get picked off by one of the big clubs, you know, I think in this current scenario, I've just been so pleased to have seen him, I think, and so pleased yeah. to have had him in our team. But also, you know, with faith that, you know, we picked him up sort of from nowhere, so to speak. I think, you know, in the lower leagues, or if you're a Swansea fan, you might disagree with that. But, you know, I, I would have faith that there might be something else in the pipeline that we could we could come through and, and go again with. So for now, I'm just proud as proud as punch to have, to have seen him start those games, look at home. And, you know, he's one of ours. How brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I guess as well, it does. Palace are going to have to play into that that um, format again of, of buying low and selling high, and that is any club in our in our in our situation does that. But it does give potential newer signings down the line. You know, look, you could pay for Palace, and you could end up being a regular for England. That is a path that happens now. You see, that's the exciting thing. I think that's the thing that really struck me um, over the last few days with the internationals that. If you play for Crystal Palace and you play regularly for Crystal Palace, you stand a very strong chance of getting into the England team. And I think for us as a club, how great is that in terms of bargaining chips with these players? You know, if we're saying to Gay or we're saying to Ebbs, you're being picked. Like, what more do you want? You're playing for your national team. You're being you're being picked regularly. You're playing every single game for us. You know, where else do you go? I mean, the the only other places to go, I suppose, is, is the top of the league, isn't it? And there's only a couple of teams that will vie for that. So I think this is overwhelmingly positive in terms of bringing new blood and, and more players in, in, in at a later date. I mean, don't forget as well, you know, I know this is harking back. And again, sorry, I'm getting this out of the way earlier. But if you look at Gallagher, you know, Gallagher, <laughs> Gallagher got into that squad th- through us. Yeah. You know, he was picked. When, when he was playing for us, and we all know that Southgate FC exists. So I think, you know, once you're in there and you're in his thinking, then that's that's a positive. So I think it's a really massive, massive positive for Crystal Palace that if you're there, you're playing regularly, you, you stand a great chance of being picked for England. Also, not, not to mention as well, all the other guys that we've had out. I think, and this is a worry when we come on to talking about Villa, but if you look at it this week, you know, Lerma's played. The Corey's played, IU's played, you know, Anderson's played. You know, we've had we've had other members of big members of the squad who have been out on international duty, which is a bit of a worry when we play on Saturday, but a bit of an odd one for us to be worrying about that. This is usually the time we get to regroup and train as a as a squad and Roy gets into everybody, but you know, all the players will come back tomorrow probably and have a day to get ready for the next game. But still, 
I see it as overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> it is weird. It is weird that now we're one of those clubs that's that's worrying about players going half the squad going on international duty and come back injured and oh can we not can you stop them from going? It's like Ferguson in the nineties, like refusing to let any of his players play international football. But it is it is good. And yeah, I remember growing up in the nineties and like just missing the the Ian Wright, Jeff Thomas, John Salako, Andy Gray days when half the team were playing for England and then I'm watching like Neil Emblem thinking, well, he's never going to play for England. But, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just, it's, it's, yeah, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. There is, there are, uh, Southgate did say that yeah, he was taken off at half time because he felt something, quote unquote. Let's hope that's not, yeah, right. turning We've got serious. nothing to worry about. Don't we? We've got Rob Holding. He's, he's, he's ready to go. That's you know, true. they, they planned for this moment. He's, that's true. But that, but that does lead on to an interesting discussion, doesn't it? That if he's out, you know, Chris Richards obviously played for the for the states in the week as well, so he he'll be late back to the party. If if there is a space there to fill, and I know we'll come on to this, I'm sure later, who fills that space? It's quite an interesting debate. Uh, yeah, well, let's come on to it uh, later on in part three. Uh, let's talk about uh, Ebbs, our other England international, um, who uh, looked his usual sort of gliding, gorgeous self. Could have scored a really early goal. Uh, the the touch was superb. Oh, the shot was okay, but it was a good save. But what what an intro that would have been! I mean, it was a great save. I nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> it, I saw the ball being played through, and thought, oh, he's obviously offside." I was like, "Oh, come on, come on, Ebbs!" And when he didn't put it in, I just I couldn't couldn't quite believe it. But again, how mad is it to see one of our players being played through? You know, in this team, which. Let's face it, whether you are a Southgate fan or not, that squad is superb. You know, from every every department of that squad is unbelievable. And I think, you know, slightly off topic, but to look at, to watch Jude Bellingham last night and the performance that yeah. he put in and the performance he's been putting in Spain since he's moved over there, that is a very, very special player. And to think that in the mix of that team with him and Kane and all those other brilliant players, Ebbs is popping up in front of goal and should have been slotted in. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a weird pinch yourself moment, I think. Even just even just for Ebbs sort of training and, you know, spending a match day with these players. I mean, Bellingham is is going to go, already is, but he's going to go right to the top. I mean, that guy is unbelievable. So it, it's a great experience for, for Ebbs. And it's just, uh, yeah, as you say, to have our players... You know, not lone players like Mr. CG, who I mentioned, but um, rubbing our players rubbing shoulders for these kind of guys. It is, uh, it's sort of dreamland, really. For I, I think as well. If you look at, I was wondering last night. Like, I suppose every single Palace fan will it will he get on? Is he going to get an opportunity to shine? And you look at the strength of that bench, and you look at players like Madison, who I know had played the the qualifier game, but still he's been in such unbelievable form. Mm. And the fact that Gareth was prepared to chuck Ebbs on. In, in front of some of these other players who you'd think maybe, you know, also deserve a chance. I think that says a huge amount as well. I think it yeah, probably yeah. all goes back to that, that um, you know, the squad that he was going to be on the long list for and with the injury and he didn't quite make it. But he, Southgate clearly sees something, well, that we see, you know, but see, clearly sees something. I suppose, you know, to add to all of this as well, the rumours that started flying around you know, earlier in the week, you know, if Southgate finishes after the Euros, is that a slam dunk? Crystal Palace, <laughs> will we see him walk through the doors at Selhurst Park? I suppose that will divide opinion massively. 
you know, is, is there a chance that the starting centre back lineup next year will be Mark Gay and uh, and Harry Maguire? Harry Maguire. <laughs> Quite terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it does to you know to pull the name of a recent episode. It does reek of Palace, doesn't it? That really as does. a move, but I, I I personally wouldn't be too upset at all about that. Really, given Southgate's pedigree, which I think is excellent, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens next. I think if England win the Euros, then maybe he stays on. But I don't know. Who knows? We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> and in fact, we'll take a break there because after the break, we're going to get, what's the episode of ahead of ourselves? Behind ourselves. We're going to do a bit of nostalgia. Nostalgializing? Anyway, we're going to uh, we're going to update the Palace All-Time eleven. Welcome back to the Fiber Plan Podcast. Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Right. Every international break, we like to have a bit of fun and do some sort of weird format thing. Today, we're going to try and update the All-Time Palace 11, but specifically, we're going to update the Centenary 11 from 2005. Now, Belly, let me explain. I was, for some reason, I was thinking about the Centenary 11 the other day. I must have been trying to buy a 2005 shirt or vintage or something. Anyway, that team came into my head. And then I thought, oh, I wonder when the 150th Centenary 11 is, if we're going by the 1861 uh, year. Unfortunately, that was 11, 12 years ago. It was uh, 2011. <laughs> We've missed that. And had they done the 150th anniversary, then I don't think that team looks too different to the 2005 team. But now, 12 years later, given the decade we've had in the top flight, I was thinking, my word, I I wonder if that team changes a lot. So what better opportunity to do that than the international break when there's nothing to talk about? So we're (laughs) going to pull up that team. We're going to go through it and we're going to see if we would update any of the positions before I do that. And I read the team out. Do you remember the the centenary team? Do you remember the centenary celebrations? Any of this ringing a bell? I remember the centenary celebrations. I remember quite liking that kit, although, you know, be it a Deodora kit, I, I quite liked the, the one-off kit. So that was the uh, white That was the white one with the sort of the cigarette packet claret yeah. and light blue down the middle. Yeah, with the, with the uh, crest right in the centre. Yeah. A central, a central crest is mm. classy, isn't it? It does. It, elevate, <laughs> yeah. it yeah. elevates a kit. Um, yeah, I, mean, I remember I mean, that. I think I'm going to be terribly unpopular with this because I think we're a similar age, Jim. And obviously I didn't see a lot of those. Well, I know we'll go through the 11. I didn't see a lot of them play. And I I think as well, since the latest promotions, the last 10 years, it's going to be hard to, to dislodge some of these uh, these new faces that we had. So I think I'm going to make quite a few enemies in the next okay. 15 well, minutes. I... I did try and get JD Senior on for a uh, slightly more, let me choose my words carefully, vintage approach to because he would have seen you. balanced. He'd have seen all these players play, and I, I, if that's the case, I might try and take on the role of older fan, okay. maybe battling for these because we're, off the bat we cannot compare players from Kenny Sampson's era to players now. They are objectively better in it. The average League One player. It's probably better than the top, an average top fight player from 1979. Mm. So we're not we're not comparing literally like for like ability. I guess what we're probably comparing is longevity at Palace 
any honours um, at, at what they sort of what the team did, how they helped drive the team in a certain way. Probably fan relationship, and then I guess stats in terms of goals mm. and stuff. But it's um, it's up for interpretation, I guess. <laughs> honours are going to be hard to find. <laughs> Let's give it a go, shall we? All right, maybe it's more stats space. Let me read out then. This was the centenary team that was picked in. 2005, I'm guessing by fans. It must, I don't know how they did it. I guess internet vote or, or something. Postal vote? I don't know how they did it in 2005. <laughs> 18, year, 18 years ago? Yeah, 18 years ago. Anyway, fax, it, maybe. Maybe probably fax. Yeah, I would yeah. have thought by fax. It is probably fax Terry Byfield and he'll put all the numbers together and it was, it was probably that. Right. Uh, so uh, 1 to 11, I think they've gone for a 4 4 2, but I'll just read out 1 to 11. Number one in goal, Nigel Martin. At number two, at right back, I'm guessing Paul Hinchelwood. Number three, left back, Kenny Sampson. Number four, centre mid, Jeff Thomas. Number five and six, your centre backs, Chris Coleman, Jim Cannon. Number seven, right mid, Attilio Lombardo. Number eight, joining Jeff Thomas in the middle of midfield, Andy Gray. Number nine and ten, your two strikers, AJ and Ian Wright. And number 11, your left mid, John Solarco. That objectively, Andy, is a solid mm. team. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, I don't know how Thomas Brolin didn't sneak in, but, you know, we'll come back to that, I'm sure. Shall we, shall we start then? I mean, maybe our formation, I don't know if we stick to 4 because like I, I think we stick to 4 It's only okay. fair, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, we might, hey, as we're doing this, you know, players are more fluid now, so we might end up with a 4-3-3, but mm. in 2005, 4-4-2 was a very staple formation. I guess now maybe it is. 4-4-3 as the... 4-3-3, so not 4-4-3, I'm not Todd Bowley. 4-3-3 <laughs> as the... Um, your standard. Let's go goalkeepers then. So you've got, you've got Nigel Martin back then. I would say, um, even from conception, let's say in 1905-1861, um, through to now, there's only really a handful of goalkeepers for me, and that is obviously Nigel Martin, John Jackson, mm. um, Julian Spurney, <laughs> Guaita, and obviously Fraser Digby. I would say those are probably the five that you're... Uh, uh, that yeah, you're I mean... At. You've missed Kalenko, you've missed uh, Kirai. But Cedric uh, Bertalan. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, there's a few pretty big names in there that, that are missing. But, uh, by, think... 2000, by 2005, it's pretty much just Nigel Martin and John Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But more recently, I guess you're looking at Spironi and Guaita. I think, again, com- coming from the modern angle here, I think it's, for me, it's hard to look past Spironi. I know it's kind of obvious. But I just think not only for some of the outrageous performances that he put in, but also time served, you know, the the way he uh, the way he went about sort of being such a big part of our club, an ambassador for our club, is still around, you know. And also, let's not forget how it all started for him. And, you know, he stuck around. And not many, not many players in the modern era do stick around and fight out their place. And obviously, we don't know the circumstances. But either way, he got back in the goal. And then that was that, really. So, for me, it's quite hard to look past Spironi. Although Steve Mandanda would have been a pretty <laughs> close second for me. But I'm going to go Spironi. I, I guess as well, like in 2005, then there would have been recency bias in that. And maybe that's why Martin got the vote over John Jackson. I mean... John Jackson in the late sixties and seventies, like widely regarded as the best keeper in England, um, behind Gordon Banks, basically. Mm. Um, 
Martin, 89-96, for seven years at Palace. Sproni, um, 2004 till 2019, 15 years. So double, yeah. double the spell. Um, I think for everything that Julian meant to Palace, his yeah. whole narrative, his the narrative arc, the whole story, everything about him, I, I just, yeah, I think it has to be Julian. I mean, ability-wise, probably not much in it, but yeah. I mean... He, Julian was an excellent goalkeeper and probably never quite got the, the credit he deserved really I think maybe from Palace yeah. fans and non-Palace fans but for yeah. everything else that he's done for the club Yeah I mean really this is it's a Selsey question isn't it but you know it's I think it's so hard to look past him in what he's done for Crystal Palace Football Club so for me, it's got it's got to be Julian. Would Guaita have got any votes five weeks ago? I think Guaita would have got a very honourable mention, which is now a very dishonourable. Dishonourable. <laughs> so yeah. he is now just in dispatches, which is a real shame, actually, because again, he's he's been a very very solid, very solid keeper for us, and I think sometimes when you've got someone like him. You you kind of forget it to a certain degree, and yeah. you forget how important it is to have such a solid keeper because you don't you don't it's just sort of a given to a certain degree. So I think you know, I think he would have been an honourable mention, but sadly, sadly, no longer. No, it's funny how football can turn, can't it? Very very quickly. Right, so uh, we've already updated one position. Martin is out. Julian, sorry, Julian. Maria Speroni yeah. is uh, is in. Let's move on to well, let's, let's go right back. Let's go through the numbers. Uh, Paul Hinshelwood is our right back. Um, what are you thinking? I'm going to pull up Paul Hinshelwood's career just for anyone that isn't aware of him, but he was definitely uh, part of the team of the eighties. Again, you know, if we're if we're looking at modern era, it, this is a tough one for multiple reasons even just in the kind of more modern era, but between Joel Ward, who obviously, again, has been an absolutely unbelievable servant to the club. So if you're, if you're judging this in the round, as opposed to just the quality of the player, uh, it's hard to look past Wardy. But then, you know, again, Aaron Wambasaka, someone who's came through our academy and went on to be sold for what, 50 million to, to United, and who is yeah. now again showing himself for the player that we all know that he he could could be. You know, I don't think he really he never really put a foot wrong for us. I suppose the only thing with Wan Bissaka is that we didn't get to see that much of him. You know, yeah. in the end. what was it in the end of season in the half? Yeah. So I think it's tough to put someone like that in a in an all time eleven because we never really you know he never really got the opportunity to be with us that long. Oh, again, it's hard for me. I'm, I'm. I think I would go Wardy. I really do. But again, I, this is coming from a, coming from a kind of, as you would say, recency bias. So, trying, trying to think of other, other honourable mentions that we could chuck in there as well. Again, from a, from a recent point of view, Kleine in two yeah. spells. You know, again, a t- top Premier League right back. Who, you know, let's not forget the amount of appearances he had for Liverpool as well, and the amount of games he played. So. But I think for me, I think overall, 
you know, I think I'd be I'd be chucking Joel Ward in there. So uh, Paul Hinchel would. Um... He did actually pass away last year, so RIP to um to Paul Hinchwood. Um actually played three hundred and nineteen times for Palace over a ten year spell. So actually we're getting similar wardy vibes. Ooh. Actually, uh apart from that he was a was from the Palace uh youth academy, whereas obviously Wardy came from Pompey. Immensely popular player at Palace, very, very popular, and was a very reliable fullback as well. So again, very much in the wardy mould. The only difference I would say is that in that 10-year spell from 73 to 83, he only played in the top flight once for Palace, which would have been 79-80, I think. Um, And obviously, Wardy's done a 10-year stint in the Premier League. So I guess if you're talking sort of like actual bona fide facts, then I guess probably Wardy takes it for that. But I would would say actually there's probably not a lot in it. I'm Mm. probably swinging towards Ward as well, which I'll admit is probably recency biased, but also the fact that he's played most of his spell in the uh, top flight. But Wardy's suppose... played 336 times for Palace. So actually, in terms of overall appearances, they're, they're in the same bracket. Yeah, I suppose the uh, he's one of our own, could be said for uh, for Paul as well there. Yeah. You know, if, if we're going to, if we, if it's close, you know, I think that the uh, coming up through the academy, it's, you know... He I was part of again... that youth team, you know, that, that, that youth team in the late in the sort of mid to late seventies, uh with Sampson and Hilaire, you know, there was a lot there was it chucked out a big crop, which ended up being that team of the eighties in, in seventy nine. Yeah. yeah. Tough one. Tough one. But you you've got the casting vote here, JD, so I'm I'm gonna leave this one down to you. Uh I think I'm I think I'm I think I'm gonna go Ward. I think I'm gonna go Joel Ward. Um okay. And I'm sure older listeners are now screaming at their phones. But I, w- I would say this one's a lot closer for me than than this has so far been the closest one out of the two players we've done. Uh, <laughs> than Martin and Spironi. And I think I think Hinshelwood, you know, one of those players I grown up didn't know a lot about. But the more research you do into him, you realise what an important member of that team he was. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know he played ten years at Palace. So very very close there for me. But I think I think given that he spent so much in the top flight. We're going to have to give it to Wardy. So that takes us to uh, player number three, our number three, which is Kenny Sampson. So again, we're staying in the same era as our left back. What are our options here, Andy? Well, if we're, if, if we're looking in the modern era, um, who are we talking about? I suppose, again, Mitchell, he really has been brilliant since he's come in, but I suppose it's early days still for Mitchell. I know he's been a regular for the last few seasons, and personally, I I love Tyreek Mitchell. I think he's a brilliant player, and I think the there is so much potential there. Um, but I think maybe for an all-time eleven, it's too early, isn't it? So I think I think yeah. I think Mitchell drops out out of the equation in that respect. Patrick Van Arnholt again from the modern era. Hmm, I'd struggle there. I think he. Uh, I suppose if you're being diplomatic, he divided opinion. And uh, I don't know, he had his moments, didn't he, old Pat? He scored the old rocket from time to time, but I think defensively often got caught out. Yeah. So I think I think I think we can uh, we can pull him out of the equation as well. I guess if you were to roll roll back a few years as well, you know, players like Clint Hill. You know, we we often used to say if if you were in the trenches, you'd yeah. want Clint Hill sat there beside you. So honourable mention to Clint Hill. I get the feeling though from this all-time eleven, and 
having never seen him play, but obviously heard the legend, I think we might be lynched if if Kenny Sampson was to be removed from this list. So I'm I'm almost scared of this one. So I, 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 would, yeah. I would be in the mindset to leave it just because of legendary status. I mean, when you look at his career, so obviously he played 197 times for Palace, went on to play for Arsenal, over 300 appearances for Arsenal, won the League Cup with them, probably should have won more, went on to play 86 times for England. I mean, this is a bona fide star. I mean, this is a top, top player, um, to quote Harry Redknapp. And anyone that saw him play at Palace, I mean, you can see the sort of light in people's eyes light up, like when they talk about him. I, I, it sounds like he was way ahead of his time. At a time when fullbacks were, you know, cloggers who stayed in place, this guy could dribble his way out of, you know, his own left-back spot. This guy could set up attacks. Like This guy was a winger playing as a fullback, which is decades ahead of where the game was. When you think about what fullbacks do now, I, I think you're right. I think there's no way Samson comes out of this team. I think he's the best left-back Palace have had. And actually, those names you mentioned, they're all honourable mentions, but none of them, I don't think, are anywhere close to what Samson's done um, no. for Palace. Well, no, since... You know, maybe Pap Soiree, you know, it sounds <laughs> sounds pretty similar to, to what you just uh, told us there, Jim. Yeah, not far off. I'd, I'd put Soiree number two, um, <laughs> just ahead of Amir, Amir Karic in number three. Um, no, I think, I think our King Kenny, I think, stays. Uh, stays. And, and also, he always... You know, and we know he's had his his troubles and stuff, and been, he's always got a lot of love and support from the the Palace faithful. He always talked so passionately and full of love from his time at Palace, um, and that is always going to win you. You know, we're, we're still talking about fan points in this, aren't we? I think he's always yeah. going to win fan points as well for being yeah. for being Kenny Sampson. So, yeah, we're sticking with uh, Kenny Sampson at number three. Um, I tell you, one honourable mention before we move on, and again, I will be lynched for this. But one word is just Ashley Cole. I know he wasn't our player. He was only here for a really, really short amount of time. But when I, you know, early early days of going to see Palace regularly, what a revelation he was. Yeah. You know, and he, he was so obvious to all of us, the talent that that, that young man had at that point. So yeah. obviously would never feature in this list. But I think as, a, as an honourable mention and what a brilliant left back and what an, a great opportunity was for us as fans to see the very start of his career. So just an honourable mention, I think. Definitely, definitely. I mean, he was he was the best player on our team at 18. Uh, he was, yeah, he was unbelievable. I saw his league debut, which was away at Grimsby at the end of that 99-2000 season when we lost 1-0. Him and Forsell both made the, literally just signed and I got on the supporters coach nine hours to get to Grimsby. We lost 1-0 to a dodgy penalty. <laughs> nine hours back. The, you know, we are miles away from these days now. Um, <laughs> that was a different time. But anyway, yeah, he was, fantastic. he was fantastic. But uh, I think we have to give it to uh, to Kenny. Um, so, should we go position-wise? And we'll save mm-hmm. number four for midfield in a minute. Uh, so, five and six are uh, Chris Coleman and Jim Cannon. Jim Cannon, of course, the all-time appearance maker for Palace. Uh, and Chris Coleman, um, not only did he play... Uh, well, only four years actually, not in one side fight, but did play in multiple positions. Obviously, I was up front for a little bit um, in the mid nineties when Palace had no strikers. Um, what are you thinking here? Are there any names in the in the last twenty years that spring out to you that should be any, any very current names that should well, be lining up? I was going to say, I think there are two very current names that d- deserve discussion. You know, obviously, as we talked about earlier in the pod, but Mark Gay. I mean, what a player! 
You know, I think uh, the, the thing I would say about him right now is, is that there's so much still to come, I think, from him. I think he's such an impressive player, that how he reads the game. What really got me the other night as well watching as he grew into the Scotland game was the passing. And he wasn't scared to get his left foot out and hit a few balls across across the pitch to Carl Walker. And so I think, you know, I just hope we get to see more of that legend you know, as it as it envelops, envelops. No, that's completely the wrong word. It develops <laughs> as it develops at Selhurst Park, but I I fear we probably won't. So, which means that I think you know he probably doesn't deserve to hit this list at this current time. But if he was to stay with us a few more years, I think he would be seriously, seriously knocking on the door. I suppose the other obvious one right now is is Anderson. You know, again. I think he he's probably short of this list just because of the amount of time that he's been with us. But again, what a player. What what an absolutely brilliant player. I think there are other couple, again, interesting ones to talk about. Mamadou Sacco, again, divides opinion. But yeah. the, he, the, the, when he wasn't injured and, you know, when he was really giving it some, he was great. I mean, what a top Great player. for his first eight games. Yeah. Yeah, until we wasted a huge amount of money on him. <laughs> but then there's some other really interesting players that, again, wouldn't necessarily make this list. But, you know, even players like Gary Cahill, who I think came in did a really solid job for us and really sort of good, solid, proper Premier League defenders. Obviously short of this list, but what a, what a privilege it was to sort of see some of those players, I think. I, I think it's tough with this, looking at the centre-backs. I think Cannon has to be there, you know, again, in terms of legendary status and the overall, you know, the club, he's probably immovable. Um, He played for Palace for 16 years. Yeah. I mean, from 72 to 88, think about the eras that spans and the teams that he, so, and he was straight in, wasn't he? He was straight in as a 16 or 17 year old or something. Yeah. Didn't look out of place. And he's played for 660 games for Palace. That is legendary status. Yeah, and you know, there have been some other interesting ones over the years, you know, the kind of Andy Linnigan's, you know, <laughs> honourable mention. I loved Andy Linnigan. <laughs> Craig Moore, who I know we've discussed oh, in the past. Yeah. You know, he was he was here for a, for a good time, not a long time on Craig Moore, but there were a couple of amazing games. I remember getting very excited about Craig Moore. Me too. <laughs> he was great. I don't know. I think that the Coleman position is probably up for grabs. Yeah, but, but I no no names really. There's a lot for me in like uh, the sort of next step down. So like Scott yeah. Dan, for example, Scott Dan. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of years he was fantastic for us, and again, this is all in the top flight. Yeah, and he really helped revolutionise. I think our team, and you know, he was from that that window, the January window of that first season, undoubtedly helped us stay up. Um, though it was him, Hennessy, and um, Ledley and and then Tom Ince who played for about five minutes but was was good for about for about ten minutes. Um, you know Scott Dan I think was one of those players that took us from Premier League also runs to stable Premier League team. So yeah. and, and again another plan I don't know if he quite gets the credit he deserves really because he was still playing in that Hodgson team a couple of years ago when he was way too slow and way too old. But he mm. was a great player. But even going further back if we're talking and we do have to probably sort of set some parameters in how short can a player be here before he gets in there because I agree about Gahey although two years is that enough 
maybe. But it's knocking like, on the door. It's knocking on the door. But do you remember Sorondo played for us in our in yes, the Premier League? I mean, what he was fantastic centre back, and again yeah. was only here for what six months or something. But yeah. he was real quality as well. So we, yeah. we've had we've had we've had some absolute ballers be here for five minutes. We've had some yeah. very stable, reliable guys that have been here for a couple couple of years. And then yeah. we've had Jim Cannon, who obviously <laughs> takes the crown. So I, I think you're right. I don't really know where to go with this, but I do it's think the Coleman one is up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, you talk about Sorondo, players like Jose Fonte, you know, yes, again, yeah. mate, we probably didn't see the very best of him because he went on to actually, you know, yeah. with Southampton. Do really well. Do uh, brilliantly well and then leave the win, in, uh, win the league in France as well, I think, sort of more recently as well. So, yeah, it's another honourable mention. But then there are other players, aren't there, that maybe in terms of absolute quality aren't up there, but in terms of being talismanic for the club, you know, Paddy McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, Damo. 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 I mean, Damo, one of those players, I think the story, the promotion story, his story, jacking it in and then coming back and then getting promoted to the Premier League. Brilliant. I mean... The crossfield passes, though, really, you know, by the end of it, it got a bit too <laughs> the, much. The, the diags. But, but yeah. The demo I mean, diags. Yeah, yeah, which probably would rule him out of even getting on the bench, I think, of this one. But, um, yeah, tough one. I don't you know, know. On balance, I think, just to go against what I said earlier, I think I might chuck Gay in there. <laughs> I mean, mate. Yeah, God. I, might, I, I have to admit, uh, this whole team, the Coleman one is possibly... I thought he'd been here longer. I didn't realize only here four years. And actually, there were even players back then from his era, um, Eric Youngs, mm. Andy Thorns, Southgate. Really, was a, was a did he end up a centre back or start at centre back mm. and end up mid midfield? But there's some big. I'm slightly surprised Cookie got in there. I know he's a mm. character, and I think he was loved by a lot of by a lot of fans. But I, I would argue there's maybe even better sense mm. back from his era. Mm. I mean, maybe, look, if if Gahey goes this summer, he'll have been with us for three seasons or two seasons? Two. Uh, no, f- two. Uh, yes, he signed in 2021, two. didn't two. he? Two, yes, yeah. Oh, are we saying two is long enough to be... Oh. I mean, bearing in mind, just, just to give you context, Attilio Lombardo is in the all-time, the Centenary eleven, and he was here for nine months, ten months? Yeah. Yeah, all right, I'm going gay. <laughs> Just because Lombardo stays for me as well. Let's do it. With honourable mentions to, uh, I actually was really leaning towards Scott Dan, genuinely. Mm. I was yeah. really leaning towards him. Um, but I think gay's a better a better player. A better mm. player. I think, let's do it, number five. Mark Gahey, why not? It's our team, we can do what we want. Um, Fitzhall will be furious. Chester <laughs> United legend, Fitzhall. Um, so our centre-backs are Mark Gahey and Jim Cannon, which actually, even just think about that, what a great partnership that would be. <laughs> be, be. Oh my God, so good. <laughs> Let's go into midfield then. Number four is Jeff Thomas. And number eight um, is Andy Gray. Mm-hmm. Two players from the same team. Um, two players from almost identical. Andy Gray was 84 to 87 and then came back to 89 to 92. Mm. Thomas, 
87 to 93. Obviously, Jeff captained us to the cup final, but Andy Gray obviously got us there with that flick on at the near post in um, at Villa Park in the semi. What are you thinking? Who stays? Who comes in out of these two? This is a tough one. Because again, I think if you're looking at the bigger picture, it's hard to remove Jeff Thomas from that team. Yeah. I think just for everything and his association with Crystal Palace and what Crystal Palace means to him, I think. And I think that says a lot about Palace fans, isn't it? That you'd probably leave in a player who technically isn't anywhere near as good as some of the brilliant players that we've seen in midfield more recently, you know, but it's more important that he loves the club. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think I'd struggle to move him off. I think though, if, oh, it's tough, isn't it? It is super tough. Again, if we're looking, if we're looking at sort of midfielders, the more recent midfielders, you know, we've, we've been blessed. I think one name that I think would come up for me is James MacArthur. I just, I'd struggle with him. Not, he's yeah. given a huge amount. Yeah. Yeah. And again, pound for pound in terms of Premier League signings and what he's done for the club. Oh, I don't know. This is a tough one. It's a tough one. It is. I, I do like the idea of the, in these sort of joint positions of having, um, a retro player and a more recent player. So I like the fact we've got Ward and Sampson as our fullbacks and we've mm-hmm. got Gahey and Cannon. So I, I do think we need to remove one of Jeff and Gray. Although I will say Andy Gray, hugely underrated player. I mean, he was mm-hmm. very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he went to, did he go to Villa, I think. It never quite worked out his move from why he came back. But Jeff, I think for all the reasons you've listed, the fact that he captained us to the cup final and obviously lifted the much wanted Zenith data systems, which is obviously more oh, important than the FA Cup. Um for everything I think he has to I think he has to stay. I just think he, you know, the 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 blonde the blonde hair, blue eyes, mid I mean, he and he did have a bit of everything. You know, he was tough in the tackle, but he could play as well. Yeah, um, he stays, doesn't he? Which means Andy Gray unfortunately stays. Well, that's not a slight on Andy Gray at all. He was a fantastic player and it's a really nice guy as well. He mm. does a lot of the uh, Palace of Life stuff and is, is a top mm. low. Um, who replaced? There are so many big names. MacArthur is in the running. Obviously, you've got Jedinak. You know, if we're talking oh. about another player that captained us to a cup final. Yeah. You're talking, you're talking Jedi from the same team. You've got Johan Kabai who yeah. I think is the best midfielder I've ever seen at Palace. I mean, I loved Kabai. There's a, there's a, it is tricky, even more recently. And again, just to talk about the kind of more recent players, but Decore, I mean, he's really maturing into something quite special, isn't he? Ah, oh, man. I mean, really in, tr- you know, if we picked Gahey, should, should Ebbs be in the running? I mean, one other player that I think we should really consider here as well, but I know he could play in multiple positions, but it's Jason Punchin. I mean... Yeah. And for, for what he did for Palace. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the modern Premier League era, I think hard to look past Punch and some of the goals that he popped up with at such incredibly important moments for the club. I mean, nearly, nearly won us the FA Cup. You know, we're, we're yeah. seven minutes away from winning... Again, yeah. <laughs> from winning the FA Cup. But you almost want to change the formation and pat the midfield with sort of 
four midfielders in there, and then you could get them all in. Yeah, I mean, also, you know, again, unpopular probably, but Luka Milivojevic, you know, he again, some huge moments. I feel I feel a bit sad for the whole Luca thing as well in the way it kind of petered out a little bit towards the end, yeah. which I think is unfair on him. Really, I don't. I think he was uh, maybe a bit like Scott Down, a slight victim of lockdown. I yeah. think. and yeah. I wonder if that hadn't happened, I think uh, he may have possibly left a bit earlier, and it did. It 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 lockdown squeezed the life out of a lot of sort of Palace careers. I think, um, but yeah. Luca, when you think about. The goals he scored for us, he was our top scorer two or three years in a row. He was yeah. huge. That, again, talking about big windows, the only other big window really is that uh, 2017 January window, and he was part of that trifecta, yeah. Yeah. him, him Sacco and Schlupp, and, and Luca was massive for us. So I don't, he's probably not getting in any Palace team's all-time 11, but mm. he should certainly be on the bench, I'd say, for what he's done. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Again, it's uh, some players that probably would never get near that 11. But again, in terms of mentions, you know, weirdly, even players like Joe Ledley, who yeah. at peak, peak moments for us, suddenly yeah. appeared. And yeah. it was interesting with players like Ledley that, you know, managers that came and went would still want him in the team. You know, there was a moment, wasn't there, where they put him at right back and it was important that he was he was a part of the team. Um True about Eze, but it's again, it's just how he fits into the setup there. Yeah, tricky one. Um, again, there's been some real kind of like cult hero type figures. Johnny Williams, for example, he's never going to make it into the all time eleven, but but what he meant to Palace, especially in that promotion season, and you know, it's another academy player which is so important to Palace. But yeah, I mean, if you're doing if if we did a lone eleven. Gallagher's probably in there. Loftus Cheek oh. might be in there. Yeah. Like, and these guys probably aren't going to get in our all time 11, but they had huge impacts over a short spell. We could yeah. do a great lone 11, couldn't we? We really could. <laughs> I think we really could, yeah. But I I, I think it's between Maka and Jednet. I mean, I, I want to put Kabai in there. I really want to put Kabai in there. I just don't yeah, know if we can. Tough, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, if you're talking sheer quality, he's in. Yeah. But if you're if you're talking of all the other factors that we've tried to take into account, I I don't think he. Oh, I hate saying it. I don't think he's in. The slight then, problem of not having a third person on this episode means that we could be a deadlock. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the chairman here. So. <laughs> That's an overriding vote. <laughs> I, I I think. I think, I mean, I think James MacArthur is a fantastic shout and really deserves to be in there. He'd be my choice. This is, again, this will be unpopular with so many people. No, but I think it would be massively popular with a lot of of people. Mm. I I think my vote is for, I think my vote's for Jedi, but actually I'm being swayed with Maka. I am actually genuinely being swayed with him. Uh, He's so important. Even when he wasn't playing. Mm. during lockdown he was essentially coaching from the sidelines i mean the guy yeah. has had an impact when did he join us just in 2014 so almost 10 years yeah i think you know as well I, one mention as well again i don't think necessarily fits into the all-time 11 but deserves a mention is probably sean derry you know oh, a couple of spells definitely. at the club yeah you know the, the coaching role he again it clearly means a lot to him even though he's you know 
gone off to Wolves, but uh, whatever. Well, he was there at the uh, weekend, wasn't he? So, you know, yeah, exactly. nice. nice to see yeah. him back. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, obviously would have been around at the time in when they made the team in 2004. Or oh, had he gone to Leeds then? I can't remember. No, he'd come back. He'd come back, hadn't he? Mm. Um, and you think, you think that, you know, when we survived with Ambrose and... Yeah. You know, he's, he played a huge part in that and the, the sort of spine of that team. So... God, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about top flight impact and like cut runs and stuff. You're right. Actually, if we're talking about the 2010 team when we, you know, literally had to get a point to survive, he was the driving force in that team. Yeah. Oh God, Sean Derry should probably be in there. Oh, but then, but then, if the if the debate is between Jednak, MacArthur, and Derry. Oh God, do you know what? Is this pull a name out of a hat situation? <laughs> Because I'm looking around my office, like, can I have I got a baseball cap here? I think I might do somewhere. <laughs> I, I'm now, I'm now thinking Sean Derry. I'm now, genu- I'm now really swayed to Derry. And I, d- I don't know how. I, I was going to say before, before you threw that absolute that. spanner in the works. <laughs> I was going to say I don't know. I don't know how you can leave Jednak out. I just don't know how you can leave him out. Captain does to, to promotion. Captain does to a cup final. Mm. Was the lifeblood of our team. Kept us up was everything yeah. to us. I think. I think, on balance, having listened to your fine argument there, Jim, I, I think Jedi's got to be the one, hasn't he? I love MacArthur, but I think for me, it, it, on balance, it probably is Jedi. He's the he's the mo- he's the modern era Jeff Thomas. Yeah, actually, I think Jeff probably was slightly more talented, but like in terms of what they meant for the team. Yeah, and also, I suppose where he came from he came from nowhere didn't he yeah free transfer yeah you know was it another dougie special it was a doug special wasn't it i mean i think i think given where he came from given the fact that you know coming in as an australian there's probably a little bit of stigma right there as well you know whereas was uh macarthur had he'd already had a sort of solid sort of career through wigan Wigan, didn't yeah yeah so i mean you know Perhaps in the true Crystal Palace underdog story, maybe you know, maybe we have to take that into account as well. It's actually, you know, there's quite a lot of underdogs in our team already. Actually, oh, all right, let's do it. Let's put Jedi in. Are you are you, <laughs> happy, are you happy with this? I feel like we're on like who wants to be a millionaire or something, like a sort of like uh, million, million pound in, drop. I'll take you... it. Let's let's lock him in. Jedi. Okay, fantastic. But we've got a strong bench, haven't we? We've got a very oh. very strong bench. All right, I'm going to go to number seven. I'm going to go 7, 11, then 9 and 10. So I'm slightly out of order. But the number 7 is Attilio Lombardo. Um, Literally played for us. So he would have played for us for... So it was slightly over a year, actually. No, it was almost 18 months, actually, I think, in the end, Yeah, it? It, was, it was the Premier League season, wasn't it? And yeah. then the, uh, and then the, of the next season disaster. Yeah, where yeah. obviously he managed us as well. <laughs> well, there you go. So that gets extra points, doesn't it? I think, he's, is he the only one of our team to have managed the club at all, I think so. Yeah. Certainly while playing. Anyway, I mean, to be honest, that I know we've done centre mid now, but like someone like Steve Kember probably should have been yeah. up yeah. for centre mid as well, given two yeah. spells at the club. Yeah. Two spells as manager, I think, as well. Certainly what? No, two spells as manager. Yeah. Massive impact. Local boy. Yeah. Should be in the running, really. Yeah. Centre mid have been blessed. Yeah. Anyway, let's get on to, back to right mid. Oh, Lombard- Lombardo, really I think, for anyone our age is probably... Yeah one of the best players 
outside I of mean, potentially another player in that would ever played for Palace. Seeing Atelier Lombardo signs for Crystal Palace on teletext circa 96, 97 was the most exciting <laughs> moment of my entire life. Yeah, yeah. It probably still is. So there are probably better players in the modern era, but for nostalgia's sake, I'm going to struggle to knock Atilio off his eagle's perch here. I'm afraid. I, I don't. I don't know if the magnitude of that kind of signing will possibly ever happen again for Palace in terms of who he was. Huge name in Italian football. Came from Juventus. You know, literally, yeah. I th- who I think had just won the oh, season before '96 won the Champions League. Yeah. Um, Italian international. Huge, not just cult figure, but cultural figure yeah. in Italy. Um, was 31, I think. So it wasn't, yeah. you know, was still at the peak of his powers, really. And we were, we weren't the palace we are now. We were a little palace battling above, you know, above our station, just come up again for the third time in five years, whatever. It was, it, it would now be like us signing Neymar or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not even sure there is a transfer that compares. I think it's just you just if you compare him to all the other people that were in that squad at that point, and that's no disrespect disrespect to those those players, but when you compare his name to I don't know David Tuttle or Mark Edworthy or you know any of those guys. Well, that window we signed, we actually signed some really, we signed some very reliable players. We signed Kevin Miller, who, uh, despite obviously a couple of years yeah. later at QPR, was a good was a good keeper for us, so certainly in that first season. Paul Warhurst. Very oh, reliable player. I mean, great player, yeah. But it's mad that we spent more money than Lombardo on Neil Emblem from Wolves. <laughs> Almost double, I think. Which shows what a bargain Lombardo was and what a mad window it was. And and yeah. and, and just Lombardo's first couple of... That game of go at Everton. Oh. The Leeds game where he scores that beautiful goal and has suddenly got this like combo going with Paul Worth. And at the same time, we're, we're coming home and losing to Barnsley 1-0. Former yeah. Palace player Neil Redfern scoring the goal. Like, it's it was a mad time, but I just don't think it ever gets. And I wonder I if it's a bit so. of it's a bit of nostalgia. It's a bit of that. The nineties was mental as well, yeah. and just, all of that chucked in. I think made this a, a a mad transfer that will never be matched. Yeah, I mean, for my adolescence as well, you know, him forming this kind of mad partnership with Sasa Churchich, yeah. who I absolutely loved as well, and all that madness with Brolin. You know, yeah. the home game against Derby where we would win it 3-1, I think, in yeah. the end. It's like, again, obviously, we'd struggle to get any points <laughs> like for a lot of that season. I don't know. And then you had about you had about six weeks. No, not even that. Four or five weeks of him, Churchich, Janssen, Marcus Bent. And you're like, oh, hang on. We've got some players here. Okay, we're yeah. going down, but no problem. We'll be, yeah. we'll be good. And the first couple of weeks of the next season, you're like, okay, so we drew we drew with, with Bolton. But like we, and there, was yeah. a, there was a game around October where we or September, where we smashed Norwich 5-1, and you're, yeah. and Janssen got two, Lombardo scored, and you're like, oh, hang on, here we go. Yeah. And then, of course, it all falls apart. So we literally yeah. got five minutes of these players, you know, mesmerising us. That era, you know, the, the, the like, Fan Z who came in. Yeah. You know, and Sunji yeah. High. Yeah. Like, they were, they were really talented players. They were players. Also some really good young players. You know, Hayden Mullins. Yeah, Hayden, yeah. Clinton. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, so, but yeah, there are probably better players. There are probably better players who have had absolutely more impact on the pitch and probably off it. But I can't, I can't kick him out of this team. The I'm only afraid. player for me at number seven, and I guess right mid slash, you know, whatever right wing that comes close is probably Darren Ambrose. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. In terms of importance. You wobbled me there. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to lie. You have Ambrose, I think, has to be in the conversation for number seven. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely does. Impact, you know, he was the only real shining light in some really dark moments in that period of our history, let's face it. There was a lot of rubbish. But he would he would pop up with a screamer from time to time. I mean, the goal at United alone. Oh, probably the best. I mean, I was lucky I was lucky enough to be at the Etihad for Andros's goal. Yeah. Which I think is the best technical goal I've ever seen. Mm. But I think Ambrose is for everything it meant at Old Trafford. Mm. We, you know, we were terrible. We actually won that game. Everything about it. Uh, I think that's the best goal I've ever seen. Yeah. Live. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, he, you know, he scored a few of them. There was one at home to Villas. Yeah, like, yeah. And a load of free kicks. Yeah, there was one to Sheffield United at home. There was a volley where he did nothing all game, literally nothing, yeah. and then pulled an absolute banger out of his... I think the lovely thing about Ambrose as well is is how much the club means to him as well and how that retains to this day. You know, he's an advocate for Crystal Palace. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't think that can be forgotten either. So if you're you're looking at their overall kind of status with the club and the supporters, oh, that is tough. I'll give give you that. I I actually, we didn't put Deser in Mm. because midfield is clogged. I feel like we need a team from 2010. A player. We, sorry, we need a player from 2010. And I actually think, looking at the rest of it, this is the only position we can do it in. Which oh. seems mad. Listen, which seems mad for me, a child of the 90s, where my mm. first season ticket was 1998. Yeah. To be advocating for Lombardo not to be in a team. The one thing that's missing for Ambrose for me, and this is not Ambrose's fault, this is just circumstance, his Premier League appearances. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that's missing... But he would have done it for us in the Prem. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't doubt it. He would have shone for us in the Prem. And he did for, you know, played for Newcastle in the Premier League. Played yeah. for... Did he play for Charlton in the Premier League? I, may have, I think he did. Yes. And yeah. Ipswich. You know, I see he has, he has ped- Premier League pedigree and he would have been yeah. great for us. We would just obviously at a time. And in fact, if it wasn't for points deduction... We may have gone up that season. Yeah, it's true. God, this is horrible, isn't it? I actually, coming into this, I had absolutely no qualms about Lombardo. I, he was the most nailed on for me. Yeah, me too. He was pretty much the only one that I would have said, that's the only one that will stay. <laughs> Ooh. You've, you've put forward a good argument here. Um, would you be what? more disappointed if Lombardo missed out or if Ambrose missed out? I, and I, I, I don't know if this will sway you. I actually think I'd be more disappointed, given what happened if Ambrose didn't isn't in. Oh, I don't know. Oh, this is this is one of those things where if you consume a lot of Crystal Palace like we do, and clearly like the brilliant people who tune in and listen to the pod do, I think everyone's saying you can't leave Ambrose out of this team. I think if you were to give it a cursory glance. Or if you're just a football fan who is putting together 11s for clubs, Lombardo's in for Palace. So I'm going to go Ambrose. I think I'm leaning there. We did say at the start that that we're taking into account, yes, like appearances and stuff. And I know at the start I put Ward in over Hinshelwood because of Premier League appearances. Mm. But we're also putting in like vibes, essentially, aren't we? Yeah. And feelings and what the player means to the club. And even though I love Lombardo and I just will never forget that time. It was so exciting. Mm. I think Ambrose means yeah. more. 
I agree. And I think the club means more to him. Not that Lombardo isn't, you know, he always spoken really well of his time at Palace, but I've been lucky enough to to have Darren on the pod many times to bump into him at various things. And he loves Palace so much. It really Super means bloke. so much to him. Yeah. Yeah. He's always got time for Palace supporters. He's more than happy to chat Palace. I think he's, he's in. Yeah. I, I can't believe this. <laughs> I mean, I can, and I'm really happy, but yeah. <laughs> Darren Ambrose at number seven. Lombardo has been benched. Oh, my word. Alston. Okay. Let's go to number 11. I think this might be slightly more straightforward. Easy. Um, uh, John Salako is the current number 11 in the 2005 team. Yeah. Uh, Nine-year spell. Fantastic player. for Absolutely fantastic player for Palace. Um, very unlucky with injuries. Really, really unlucky with injuries. Probably could have gone on to be... Well, at a time when there was barely, barely any left-wingers at Palace. Uh, England, sorry. Could have been an England national. Yeah. I think, though, the number 11 in our team has to go to someone else. Clearly Julian Gray, right? I like Julian Gray. I liked him a lot. He was <laughs> he was a bit moody, wasn't he? Just, I don't think he liked being at Palace, but I think he, he was a good player for us. Scored some good goals. Um, yeah, there's only one name on that team sheet, isn't there? Wilfred. Wilfred. Dazat Wilfred. Zaha. He's, he's the boy. It has to be, doesn't it? And that's not, again, no slight on John Salako, who was a fantastic servant for us. And again, you know, talks, you know, very favourably about Palace. I would say in recent times, John Slocko's Twitter account may have possibly lost him a few <laughs> friends in the Palace community. Um, that hasn't aged well. Hasn't aged well. Um, it, no. You can't look past you know what? our best ever player. No, you can't. I think, and you have to judge it on all of its merits as well. It's not only the fantastic things that he treated us all to in terms of goals and just moments. Absolutely I will never, ever forget the Brighton semi-final, ever. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just, it is stuff of legend. But also, you know, in my in my work, I've been lucky enough to, to work with Wilf and be, and be relatively close to him. And even given everything that's gone on recently, he loves Crystal Palace Football Club. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't hear anyone say anything against that. You know, I think him moving off, to try something new was just simply he wanted to try something new. Yeah. Crystal Palace is in his heart. And I don't think he was ever prepared to go to a another British football club yeah. after leaving this time round. So for that as well, I think it should be really understood how much he cares and loves the club. And that I guess when his time is done in Turkey, you know, he he is a part, a huge part of our overall family and not not just our history. So for me, there's absolutely no question about it. And we should be super grateful that we got to see his best years. Well said. I can't really add anything to that. The best player I've ever seen at Palace, probably the most important player I've ever seen at Palace, has given us countless moments. You know, not just a few moments. He gave us moments every season. Um, and there was a lot that people never really saw as well, I think. You know, I think there was a... And I guess talked about a lot, a lot, but the match of the day moments, you know, those, those those stunning goals or whatever. But there were moments where he just grabbed a game by the scruff of its neck. Yeah, yeah, that Watford game at home yeah. where it was terrible yeah. for ninety minutes, one nil down, and then he suddenly decided, "I'm not having this," and yeah. literally turned the game on its head. And that's what he was capable of. So, you and know, then he did it. Of... He did it two weeks later against West Ham. <laughs> did almost the exact same thing. <laughs> And, um, and the absolute yeah. passion on his face. Yeah. When we scored a goal or we won a game or, 
yeah, enough said. I'm not going to wax lyrical all night, but yeah, what what a treat to, to have watched. So, 458 appearances in the in Inf Palace, 90 goals. I mean, I oh know I lie, it might be more than that. No, Palace total, that is right, 458, 90 goals. And moments. If, if Wikipedia had a column for moments, it would <laughs> be off the chart. So that is, that, that's not up for debate. Number 11. Thank you, John Salako, for your service. But number 11 is Wilfred Zaha, which leaves us 9 and 10. Um, 9, obviously, Jordan Ayew. So let's just go straight to number 10. <laughs> um, oh, Roy's manager, is he? <laughs> 9 and 10. Oh, we haven't even done manager. That's a fair point. I don't know if we're going to do that or not. That might be too controversial. I'm assuming we're doing two up front. We could do a front three, or, or maybe we stick with two up front. The, the current, the current nine and ten are I'm not sure which way around they are, but it's it's AJ and Ian Wright. I actually think Andy, these two are hard to dislodge. They are, they are. There are a few names that I think we can we can try and dislodge them with, but for me, I mean Andy Johnson was just fantastic. You know. The, the, the year we went up, all those goals, you know, again, talking about, you know, England like we did earlier, the, the recognition that he got, you know, I remember madly being so proud to watch yeah. him come on as a sub for England, you know, little old palace as it was then. It's yeah. not anymore. We're big and hell, you know, but what a player. And again, if we're judging this on, on all of its merits, still really involved with the club, still, you know, the fact that, you know, we were so lucky to be involved in the Palace for Life game, Jim, and he was there captaining a team, but taking it properly seriously. Yeah. You know, and I was a complete imposter there, but to turn up for the training session on the Thursday, the first thing Andy did when he walked in was go around to every single person in the in the changing room. He didn't really know any of them, shake everybody's hand, introduce himself. You know, he was just kind, really nice really chatty he's just a proper top bloke and not only that scored a bucket full of goals for us yeah so he is he is a tricky one for me personally to dislodge out of that team you know I, yeah i'm not sure you can dislodge aj out of that team i mean not just for the goals that took us up the goals that nearly kept us up and really probably should have kept us up top top scoring uh englishman in the premier league i think only I think he was second overall. I think only Thierry Henry beat him in the... In the yeah. Which I mean, is mad. mainly penalties. <laughs> hey, they all count. They all Doesn't count. matter how the ball goes they in the goal. Count. Yeah. And also, let's not forget, he stuck around. We went down and he stuck yeah. around for a season. You know, and obviously our dear friend Simon Jordan would like you to believe that it was all down to him. And, but, you know, <laughs> I, think, I think it says a lot about the player, probably, more. But, you know, there is a name, though, that I think cannot be overlooked, and that's Glenn Murray. Yeah, for impact. Yeah, what a what an unbelievable striker we had in Glenn Murray. Although, he was, I mean, he was the AJ of ten years later, wasn't he? Yeah. The one thing I would say about Murray and is something that we discussed on one of the post match pods uh, with Robin Selzy was if you take Wilf and Yannick out of that team, how many goals does Glenn Murray get? And I, you know, he may have got exactly the same amount of goals. I don't know, but the service that he was getting from the wings at that point was absolutely outrageous. So, yeah. I don't know. Whereas AJ, 
what was the attack. I mean, yeah. we literally played four five one. He was the attack, and the wingers were like Lackis and Kolka, I think. So he yeah. wasn't getting service. No. He was doing it all himself. Yeah. And he nearly kept us up in the yeah, in the Premier League that year. He's his record yeah. is 160 appearances, 85 goals. That's that's yeah. more than one in two, which is insane. I mean, there is one name that I know that, again, for nostalgic reasons, me and you are probably going to agree on, and then I'm an R over quite heavily. He's Matt Matt Janssen. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm actually happy to move past Janssen really quickly. If this was a Cult Heroes 11, 100% he'd be in there. (laughs) If this was a Flair Player 11, he'd be in there. If this was a 90s haircut 11, he'd be the captain. (laughs) But, uh, unfortunately, his impact at Palace, I think, was... Now, I know Lombardo was in there for a short spell, but he left around, obviously joined much later, left around the same time. So I think at Palace less than a year. Could have, in other circumstances, could have been a Palace great. And I know he has a lot of love for Palace still and enjoyed his time at Palace big time. And, and he's also a very, very nice guy. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't to be. Unfortunately for him, it really wasn't to be in his career either. It's a very, very sad end to the career, but... Very sad. Um, I mean, we got to see so much potential there, didn't we? Oh, that's the sad thing with all of it. It was the potential that was really un- unrealized, unfortunately for him. But could have gone on to be on... an England regular for God many, many years. Would have probably ended up at. And he turned down United May night to join us, which instantly makes someone a legend. Yeah. Um, but he would have ended up going to play for May United, I think, or someone like that. A couple of other names. I mean, Clinton Morrison, oh. Doug Freeman. Yes, I've got Freeman on my list. Clinton you, is really hard to see, Paul. I mean, if we're talking about someone who gets Palace, I don't think a player has ever got Palace in the way that Clinton has. And in yeah. fact, really is the only pundit on TV who actually talks about yeah. Palace like a fan, <laughs> actually talks about Palace with um, authority. He's the yeah. only person that does it because he gets the club. Um, and he's an absolute legend of a guy I mean, he's what you see is what you get and he's just the nicest bloke and he scored his third third all-time top goal scorer you know so he's or fourth third or fourth joint variety i think so god clinton has to be in the mix definitely doug doug's probably i mean scored one of the most important goals ever in our you know at stockport edgley park i was there Grabbed a bit of turf from where he scored and then kept it in my drawer. My parents thought I had a drug problem. So it was a <laughs> genuinely true story. Turns out um, it was a far worse problem. It's <laughs> much worse. <laughs> Way more expensive. Still haven't been able to shake it, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's really I think it's really hot. I mean, we haven't even talked about Ian Wright yet. And no. I, or, I sl- <laughs> or Patrick Bamford. <laughs> <laughs> or Jean-Philippe Mateta either so. no or Yaya Snogo but you know yeah. um, Mateta hey we do this in 10 years time Mateta's probably nailed on but let's hope so I mean Ian Wright was a game changer for Palette and again I, it's slightly before my time my, my first game was the 1st of January 92 so I literally only missed him by three months yeah um, I struggle with Wright as well because I didn't see him play again so just to upset the vast majority of the fan base I didn't see him play. His association for me was always so strong with Arsenal. Yeah. You know, it was almost like a denial of the roots, which kind of upset me generally. So you can't go against the talent, you know, 
in terms of like best ever strikers, well then, yeah, it, it probably is him, let's face it. But we've been judging this broadly, haven't we? We've been judging this in terms of everything they mean to the club and everything the club means to them. So that's the only slight issue I have with that one. I think it, it's a fair issue. I'm looking at his record now, 277 games, 118 goals. I mean, it's a, it's a strong record. Mm. Um, a lot of them in the second division, but actually three seasons in the top flight. So he, he did score goals for Palace in the top flight. Obviously, nearly won us the cup as well in 1990. I think you can't, none of us choose when we're born. <laughs> and so you can't, you know, if I'd have been born five years earlier, I'd have been lucky enough to, because my dad was a Palace fan anyway, I'd have been watching Ian Wright play for Palace. And, mm my whole life would probably be different and I'd see him differently, but I agree. I saw him as an Arsenal player. And I think his departure from the club was a sore point for a long time. And it took him a long time to talk about it. And actually when you hear the story about why he celebrated that goal for Arsenal, it was actually very sad. And it was, mm. um, it was, it's a horrible situation. And he has since, I think mellowed a lot. And I think a lot of Palace fans have mellowed towards him. And I think that relationship is a lot stronger now than it was in the mid to late nineties. Um, and as I'm saying this, I'm, tr- I'm trying to work work out where I'm going with this because... I know, it's tough. I, I mean, don't, one name we yeah. haven't discussed that people will instantly start shouting about is Christian Benteke. You know, scored, a lot, scored goals for us in the Premier League. He did score goals for us in the Premier League. I, for one, was actually a big fan. You know, I, I sort of understood. It was obviously madly frustrating. Yeah. But you could see his value to the team more generally. So I don't, I don't think you can have the striker conversation, especially if we're going to talk about the modern era without Christian Benteke. Yeah, I mean, top level player. It, it, it I, ha- I completely agree. It, 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 it would feel weird. It would, yeah. I can't yeah, really I put agree. my finger on it. It would just feel weird for him to be in there. And another player, really, if you're talking about has scored goals in the Premier League Palace, although much shorter spell, uh, is Chris Armstrong, who, who yeah. I think might be one of the most like naturally gifted all round strikers I've ever seen at Palace. Mm. Um. Um, and yeah, was unbelievably talented. Mm. Um, and weirdly, they went to Spurs. Didn't, didn't quite happen at Spurs. It was no. a shame. A very good player. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really know. I kind of want to put Clinton in there. Mm. My only slight against him, and we said it before, is is scoring scored one goal for us in the Prem again. Not which was his debut. Technically, hundred percent record in the Prem mm-hmm. for Palace. <laughs> well. Um, not hit, set up by Lombardo, which is mad. Not his fault, you know, really, and scored a lot of goals for us in the second division. And we've still got, you know, players. Well, we've got Ambrose in there. So we've got players that have done it for us in the second tier. Yeah. And actually, Friedman is a great shout. I mean, Friedman scored a lot of goals at Palace at, at some really important times. And I know, like Ian Wright, sullied his reputation a bit. But I think that's been mended as well. I think that's that's been repaired. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think everything that's been done for the club, is, I think he's spoken pretty honestly, hasn't he, about the Bolton period and it maybe not being the most wise decision that he made there. Yeah, oh, I think I'm, that's the closest to an apology I think you'll ever get. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting as well, isn't it, that throughout this team that we've been through, there's been arguments for a lot of modern era players up and down it until we get here, really. Yeah, and I'm talking super modern. <clears throat> if you're looking at the current squad, not any one of them you're going to talk about really in this respect, are you? Edward, Elise, oh, sorry, not Elise, although we haven't mentioned Elise either, but um, Mateta, Batshuayi, 
Ayu, Adebayo, Wickham, all Dwight, these guys. Dwight Gale. I mean, Dwight, Dwight Gale, Gale you know, was our top scorer for a couple of seasons Fraser with Campbell. like seven goals. Fraser Campbell. But it, and, oh, I love Shamak. Colt 11, yeah. he's definitely in. Yeah, Colt 11, he's in. But they, I just think for like, again, like cultural impacts, Wrighty was just, and Bright, we haven't actually mentioned Mark Bright. No. And actually, Mark Bright will, will probably never get into all-time 11s purely because he played with Ian Wright, but then also is a Palace legend because he played with Ian Wright. Yeah. Wright, Wright, Bright made Wright and Wright made Bright. And, yeah. and neither of them would have been successful without the other. And and then Brighty's gone on to be a Palace legend with everything yeah. that he does now. And actually, like Clinton, talks about the club with the most passion of any pundit and ex-pro that I've ever seen. Yeah, he's never going to get in the team because you you put you have to put Wrighty in there. Yeah, and then that's your slot for that to era sort of taken with. It's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> I think the only players that are coming, I, I think AJ's in, and I think yeah. the only players that are coming close to taking Wrighty's spot are Clinton and Friedman. I think, but I don't know if I want to do that or not. I, I just I, I Ian Wright from anyone of that era. Palace fans, the way they talk about Ian Wright, yeah, it's sort of the same way that we talk about Wilf. Yeah, and if you talk about the broader cultural impact of what Ian Wright did for Crystal Palace within that moment, yeah, you know, it's hard to it's it's a such a huge part of our history that it's hard to pull that away. So I think I think on balance, given the other names, I think despite everything I just said about him and Arsenal, I think it has to be right. He doesn't hit. Again, I guess, like, if you look through our team, it's like, if you take these players out of that team they played in, is the team progressively worse? And, like, Speroni, yes, definitely. Ward, yes. Mm. Samson, yes. Gaye, yes. Cannon, yes. Thomas, yes. Jedna, yes. Ambrose, definitely. Johnson, yes. Zaha, yes. If you take Wright out of that Palace team, no way does it hit the heights that it did. No, take okay. Clinton and Dougie out, obviously they won't be as good, but they, would, they weren't quite, this, it wasn't quite the same, if that makes no. sense. That feels like yeah, a slight, totally. it's not meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a high but standard. It's a high standard. And I think Wrighty is the standard. Yeah. I think it's Wrighty, isn't in. it? Lock him in, Jim. There we go. I mean, very harsh on Clinton and, and Douglas. But um, <laughs> that's it. That's our 11. We've updated. This has been, honestly, this has Ooh. been a lot harder, but also a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Just <laughs> to, to confirm, I don't know what we're calling this team because it, it's, it's the 160 third anniversary it's not whatever <laughs> yeah, our updated centenary 11 is Baroni in goal Baroni number one Joel Ward number two right back Kenny Sampson number three left back centre backs five and six of Gehi and Cannon centre midfielders four and eight of Jeff Thomas and Miller Jednak number seven right mid Darren Ambrose number 11 left mid or left whatever Wilfred Zaha and up front nine and ten AJ and Ian right so we've kept one two three four, five, and we've swapped one, two, three, four, five, six. Wow. So it's actually, there's quite a lot of the original team has, has stayed. I mean, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of the names that we've completely forgotten. <laughs> our our, our <laughs> oh, answers yeah. on a postcard or, or via an abusive tweet, because I really, I would like to... Uh, there'll be many. I'd like to, yeah, oh, good. Excellent. Wait till I copy you into the tweet, because there'll be... <laughs> many or replies um we hope you enjoyed this patrons uh sorry not patrons everyone we hope you enjoyed this everyone feels like a patron episode um 
And I'm sure you played along at home. Again, let us know. Tweet us or Instagram or wherever. Let us know who, what your 11 was. Was it similar to ours or different? And who we missed. A uh, quick break and let, let's preview the Villa game in part three. Welcome back to part three of the Fabio Pan Podcast. Way Sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Uh, right. My head is still spinning from part two. <laughs> but we do have to preview a game, because obviously the last full episode was going to the break, and we didn't. It's Villa away on Saturday, 3pm um, kickoff. Uh, Villa, big outfit these days, aren't yeah. they, Andy? Like They've got some good players. They've made some smart signings in the window. An excellent manager. Despite our form, actually, we start the season very well. This is going to be a tricky away day. Yeah, I think this is super tough, isn't it? I think, yeah, they've had a few... Obviously, they lost heavily to Newcastle on the first day, but at home, they've been really solid, haven't they? So, I think if it, if we hadn't come off the back of the international break, if the international break hadn't happened, I'd be looking at this fixture and thinking, we go there and we go there to get a point minimum given where we're at in the mm. league, given the way we're playing, given the squad, everything, and where we want to kick on to get to. However, I think off the back of the international break, I think we've had more players out internationally than they have. I think they, I mean, Martinez has been out. I just, I think the depth of their squad isn't, it's, it's slightly different to ours in terms of the international. So that concerns me. And it concerns me. I know we we sort of brushed up against it earlier, but if Gay is out, where where do we look to then? Does he? We know that Roy doesn't necessarily like to take a massive risk. So does that mean James Tonkins, who again has been a super servant, but when he's been called on, we got a few issues recently, haven't we? You know the Arsenal game, which was yeah. we can forget that, but still we got spanked. That Fulham game Fulham, obviously yeah. didn't go great. You know, and the usual backup, obviously, Richards has been away with the USA men's team this week. So it's, you know, even probably harder for him to jump straight back in. So does that mean holding gets thrown straight into the team if there's an injury there? You know, so I don't know. I just I worry a little bit just because the spine of our team have all been away on international duty this week. We are, as Selzy would say, we're a little bit thin on the ground, aren't we, in terms of Mm -hmm. the overall squad numbers. By the looks of things, it's still a little bit early for Elise and Franca. So, tough, tough fixture. I would be over the moon. I'm generally optimistic when it comes to Palace, but I would be super over the moon if we come away with this one with a with a with a point. I'd be very happy. I would too. I mean, they they got spanked by Newcastle, and they also most recently lost to Liverpool three 0 but in between that, they've spanked Everton 4 0 at home. They've had a good start to their European campaign. Might possibly affect their team selection that they start their Europa League group stage, I think, next Thursday. Um, but you look at their squad. I mean, they've got they've made some great Yuri Tillemans is a great signing. Uh Diaby looks like an excellent signing. Paul Torres at centre back, solid signing. Um, obviously he's got the likes of Ollie Watkins, who could cause us all sorts of problems. Matty Cash is on a weird run of form. I know he got an own goal in his last game, but it's amongst the goals before that. I think he looks like he's playing right mid at the moment, which is mad. Mm. Luca Dean has got excellent delivery. We know Martinez is a good goalkeeper. Mm. Even the likes of Leon Bailey don't sort of make their starting eleven. At I the think moment, he's so. been, Leon Bailey's been away this week with Jamaica, I think. Right. And McGinn, obviously, with Scotland. So 
But then if you compare it to our team, Lerma, Decore, both been away. Yeah. And, you know, that's quite an international journey that is. Gay, obviously, we don't know the fitness of, but out, probably. Anderson's been away with Denmark. You know, we've... I think we'll see. I think we're going to end up seeing, and I use this term with love, but a, a bit of a Roy approach to this one. And I think yeah. we will probably set up quite solid. Mm. Whoever is at centre back, I actually think it might be Rob Holding. I've got, I've just got no reason uh, yeah. for that. I've got a funny feeling in my waters that it'll be Rob yeah, Holding. Yeah, I agree. I think if you, you know, if you're going to go Holding, all the other options are Tompkins or Chris Richards. And I am not convinced that Roy is the biggest fan of Richards. Yeah, not 100% convinced of that, which I think is a shame because I think the moments that he dropped in last season, you know, the Man United game at home, I think he played the Newcastle game at home as well. You know, he looked good and, you know, good turn of pace. There's a player in there, I think. Yeah, at centre-back, not a right-back. At centre-back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but I just think being away in the States this week, let's not, let's get it right. Holding's a good player. Like, yeah. And he's been in a in a top, top team for the last few years. And, you know, Arteta didn't really have any qualms dropping him in there when there were, when there were injuries. So I think, I think you are right. I think we'll, most likely see holding. But I wouldn't be surprised given Decore and Lerma whether we might see a, a sort of rare start for Will Hughes on Saturday. I was gonna say I think it's 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 basically gonna be won and lost, I think, in that defensive midfield. And I think if Lerma and Decore, um Louise and I think it's Bubakar Kamara, their centre midfielders and Jacob Ramsey when he plays are excellent players. Mm-hmm. And I think it's they will look to sort of grab the game really early on, especially at home. But mm. I think if if Decore and Lerma can really sort of match up to the standards, we know they can, and we can wrestle a bit of the play like we did against Sheffield United first game of the season. It'd see us maybe getting something, um, mm. but it'll be it'll be tough. It'll be really tough. Yeah, I think as well. You know, sort of to to go back to some of the the bits that Selzy's been bringing up on the post match. You know, if you look at it, sort of Ebb has been away with England. I know he only played twenty five minutes or whatever. But he's still been away with England, so he's coming back in late to all of this. IU's been away, you know. The the other, as I said, Elise and and France aren't part of the picture yet. So where does that leave us in the wide positions? You know, what what cover have we got there that we could potentially look to if IU's just not fit enough? You know, where do we look? Our Hamada, you know, I think there's a lot to come from him. Is Roy going to throw him in as a start in the starting eleven? This is a tough fixture. This one. Did Schlappy go away with 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 Garner? I don't know if he did actually. I'm not sure if he did. I didn't. I think it's a, it's it's got Schlappy written all over it. Yeah, a Schlappy start, yeah. and I think are you if he's if he's he probably even eighty percent fit? I think probably starts Ed Edward. I think has earned that spot. I think the number nine is obvious with with sort of Edward. I just worry with the wide positions. Yeah, I worry with the with the service that he might get, and I don't know. It's, it's a super super tough fixture. I'd be over the moon with a point, and then give Roy a full week with the team, and maybe who knows, we might get some good news in, in terms of the injured players coming back for the Fulham game. Yeah, I've it, I shouldn't be thinking like this, but I've almost written Saturday off. I, I mean, I, I um, we've gone from the positivity of part two uh, in, <laughs> into this, but um, I kind of agree. And actually, I, I think Fulham, you look at the Fulham stat, they're posting some awful stats at the moment in terms of um, chances given up and stuff. Um, if you can sort of get through to that game, that's a big home game. And if you can mm. go all guns blazing in that one, 
Um, but hey, we never know. Roy knows this league and he knows how to carve out, you know, carve out points. And, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we come away with a nil-nil or one-all in this game and frustrate yeah. Villa. I wonder, Jim, given the Wolves game and how much of an impact Mateta came on when he came on, sorry, whether Roy might just shuffle slightly and sort of go very solid 4-4-2, play uh, Mateta. Uh, I thought you were going to say Edward, Edward out left, maybe. Edward out into the... Maybe. I mean, personally, I am not a fan of that. No, I'm not but, either. But I could see him doing it. And that's what he did in, in the final stretches of that uh, Wolves mm. game. But I agree, it wouldn't be my first. Mm. But anyway... Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting game. We'll be back next week, obviously, to review that game, and, and patrons will get an immediate post-match review. Uh, I'm not going. I will be watching. I was going to go and watch Farnham versus Chesham in the FA Cup third round qualifying, uh, but I haven't got childcare, so I won't. Can't be going, unfortunately. So I'll be watching the Villa game, uh, whether I'm on the post-match pod or not, whether I'm allowed on it, who knows. Uh, but I know Rob and Selzy will be. Selzy will obviously be there, and I think Rob will be on the post-match pod as well. And then we'll be back next week. I think Jack and Joe are uh, driving the pod next week. I think it's a week off for me um, to talk about that. Uh, I think Brackers is joining them uh, from the SLP as well, uh, who will obviously have been there. So, yep. And then uh, next international break, Belly, we'll be back with some more madness. (laughs) We'll be back upsetting Palace fans again. Uh, (laughs) Somehow. And happen to apologise to Clinton Morrison. Uh, that's what we'll do next like end of October or something, isn't it? Anyway, thank you so much, mate, for joining me. Really enjoyable episode. Really appreciate you coming on. That's been great. And again, like I said, let's let's have answers on a postcard. We want to yeah. hear some of these these other uh, other names that we've completely missed out of the. Uh, I mean, even Tommy Black. I can't believe that you know. Now thinking about it, we're talking number. Seven I loved position. Tommy Black. I... <laughs> He was our first big signing, wasn't he? Yeah. After administration, Tommy Black yeah. and Julian Gray, same, same. Oh, I, I loved Tommy Black. He was great. <laughs> um, yes, I might even drop a little graphic and we'll do our yeah, updated eleven, put it on socials and stuff. Um, but yeah, please do get in contact. Let us know your thoughts. Um, don't be too harsh, please. But uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to Green King for sponsoring us. We're back next week. Until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. See you again soon. Bye. Podcast Network.